It would help if we could decide here and now on your name. My name? Yes, ma'am. Your regnal name. Uh, that is the name you will take. Let's not overcomplicate matters unnecessarily. My name is Sean. And long live King Sean. Don't you get sick of it all? And lonely. I do. Which is why it's so important to have the right person by your side. You understand the titles, they're not the job. Sean is the job. Loving her, protecting her, he is the essence of your duty. You ass in a rag and a truck out of my face. Gone. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You have to be qualified, Emil. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now? Uh, by your leave, I would like to go right now. This is a uh, a royal cock-up, you might say, where we thought we'd be on at noon. We're on at 12.18. If you're watching us on Facebook Live... That may be as close to noon as we've ever got, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be too hard on this. But uh, we have a jam-packed show today. Uh, given the passing of uh, Prince Philip, the royal consort, and given the the uh, unholy interest in uh, in Sean Windsor's milk duds, we have decided that today we will take a closer look at the House of Windsor, Sean. Windsor. And also, it's uh, quite the Anglophile day because uh, our friend uh, Stephen Patrick Morsey is making the news, so we'll be talking about that. And I'll give you a little update on uh, on Gabe Leland, and you may feel like that's a non-sequitur, except he's a royal screw-up, so... It actually kind of fits in the theme. Nice. Isn't that right, Mr. Mr. Mark Fellhauer? What does cock-up mean? Because you said a uh, royal cock-up. means you've screwed something up. Hmm. Just okay. like uh, I've never heard that phrase. Really? I guess that's the Queen's English. Wow it's uh, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a commonly uh, known refrain throughout uh, throughout the Commonwealth. Okay, this is the USA, though, man. Yeah, but you know this show actually does very well in in Canada, which is still part of the Commonwealth, and occasionally we chart in the United Kingdom, which is very quickly becoming uh, England because the Scots want to leave and the Northern Irish want to leave and the Australians and the New Zealanders are like, whatever. And I think there's probably uh, still a few people in Gibraltar who are like, yeah, it's not worth leaving. So we don't, we don't. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. Yeah, we don't want to have to get new stamps and all that other crap. But uh, <laughs> but uh, if... Uh, no, we love the USA, just not you. Uh, not you. Oh. But whoever said that. Oh. Oh, chipper Sean today, man. As you can tell, his English roots are, are showing through. He's he's bitter towards the colonists, towards the, the revolutionaries, the people who sent his family love back the USA. across the ocean. To, can, uh, can I ask you guys a question about the royals in general? Sure. Because you see this a lot. People are like, I don't care, but why does anybody give a shit about the royals? And then there's other people that just really kind of eat it up and watch it. Where, where do you fall on that spectrum? That we all secretly want to be uh, told what to do. <laughs> Wait, what? that's what this is all about. It's a secret fetish uh, for authoritarianism. Whoa, that was way deeper than I expected. I mean, I don't know. 
Do you have a, any a, shred of interest in them? It's a vestige of when uh, one person got to tell everybody what to do, and I think secretly most of us want to be told what to do. It's just a little simpler that way. See, I you view- wake up, you you might, wow, you know, really Teresa, Teresa might say to you, "Here's how your day is going to be," and you'll just feel a little more comfortable. For you, Mark, that's I'm not. I'm not sure who tells why you. Why do you say that's it, theoretical? That's pretty much how it works. Okay, there you go. How about Except you, Mark? I'm usually up like five hours. Don't you? Fi- she is. Don't you find that true, Mark? Well, I guess. Don't you, you know, like to I, be told what to do on some level? Oh, God. I'm told what to do by so many people exactly. all the time. So. And that's all this is Just about. And it. You, only it's wanting to be told what to do by somebody that wears a nice outfit. No, see, I find them to be mascots. They are really mascots. And the whole it's a little over the top, but it's a, it's a soap opera, right? I, I think. Well, now, yeah. yeah. I think one of the ideas that makes the Royals so compelling to people who really are into that crap is that uh, is that you have an idea, a standard, that there is someone who's showing the way, that there's a proper way to do things, and whether you aspire to that or whether you can do it, that there's someone who's setting a standard. Now, the irony of that is you end up with Prince Andrew and you end up with Fergie (laughs) and you have all these goofballs who come along and, you know, they... They got the fangled teeth, and it turns out they're really German. And then they and they're protected. They, yeah. One guy has to quit the throne because he's marrying a woman who's divorced, and then everybody after him gets divorced. You know, and then it's okay. And I never understood you know. it for the longest time. Like they just live for free. It's really weird. But then I find out, oh, they actually bring in a ton of money for the UK. Yeah, it's almost a like ton. a zoo. Well, it is. The number one tourist attraction in the state of Michigan is the Detroit Zoo. And I think the number one tourist attraction in England has got to be the monarchy. Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, all these silly places, the Tower of London, all this goofy stuff. They're kind of like a flesh museum, right? It's a living living history in a way. I mean, it hasn't been that. How long have they been parliamentary not that I mean you you would well, probably know that oh, Magna longer. Carta was signed in twelve fifteen. Yeah. No, no, no. So. I'm saying since the since the Queen or the King didn't have any real power. It hadn't been that long. Oh, I think it's been two centuries yeah. at least, right? Has it been that long? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean going back to twelve fifteen, they took a lot of power away from the king and then and then Oliver Cromwell in the sixteen hundreds beheaded the king. How do you know? And all then this? the parliament ran everything. Of course you know all that. <laughs> But they haven't been complete figureheads for more than, uh, what, a couple hundred years? Uh, you know, yeah. since no, since the 1200s, they've been in a position where, you know, the parliament uh, is somewhat uh, obsequious to them. But if they overstep their bounds and try and ignore parliament, you know, they can get uh, more than a hot leather neck shave like uh, Charles I right. got. So, I mean, there's, there's sort of a tension there. There is. And, and if you watch The Crown... Which uh, I think is or the part queen. of. I haven't watched the Queen, but I'm watching it's the a Crown. Good movie, yeah. But I, I think when you watch that, it, it's it's almost sponsored by the royal family to make you feel sorry for them because they feel like they're trapped in this this gilded cage. But when you watch it, and I think some of it is somewhat factual, there really is uh, a. a, a uh, a, a subservience to the queen from the prime minister where you have to make sure they're informed of what's going on and you have to worry about if you're not doing that, then they're going to go and shout to the whole world that, uh, you know, there's something wrong with the prime minister. And so a lot of the power is, um, is I don't think, so much statutory. Yeah, they're not setting policy. And, right. right, right. And so, but at the same time, you realize that there is this this check on you uh, as a as a legislator that you have to be cognizant of, if only because there still is 
a popular support for the monarchy. So you alienate, you risk alienating somebody who's popular, right? They're celebrities so, that make them a lot of money for their country. Yeah, they're influencers, right? They yeah, are. They are, they're they the, are the original influencers. But it's not like, like the Kardashian family. Yeah, even not. to the point where you can buy cigarettes and butter and honey that says approved by HRH, yeah. His Royal, Her Royal Highness, and they get paid for that. They are the original influencers. Right, but it's not the same risk as, say, alienating Mick Jagger. Right or Paul McCartney, or uh, you know somebody, somebody, a, a celebrity in England of that of that ilk. Right, you could probably alienate Johnny Rotten and get away with it. Right, but uh, now Morrissey, as we'll talk about later. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Well, Morrissey. that's different. But uh, before we get to the Royals, I want to tell you about about uh, uh, Roy All Brian. Not not gonna work. No, nice I couldn't try. do it. Sorry, but uh, Roy O'Brien Ford, um, they treat you like a king. Or a queen, or if you're on the younger, maybe a first-time car buyer, prince or princess. Um, my mom bought her red Ford Focus wagon there. We're going to be hearing from mom in a little while. It's fire engine red because my mom is pretty groovy and, uh, and not, not too bad with the camera and not too bad on camera, which, again, we'll see that in a minute. 110,000 miles later, she is still a satisfied customer, and she is far from the only person who loves Royal Brian Ford. They've been taking care of customers for 75 years from the corner of Nine Mile and Mac in St. Clair Shores. Why don't you check them out at royobrien.com. That's R-O-Y-O-B-R-I-E-N.com. Go to Fast Track, which lets you choose your vehicle and options. You can pick your deal if you want to lease, finance, or pay cash. Get the value of your trade-in, apply for financing, and schedule delivery of your ride. If you go in person, Royal Brian Ford well, they're taking care of you in every way. Social distancing is respected. They're masked up. They have, uh, they have lots of sanitizer. And they have a large, luxurious waiting room where you can wait safely for your vehicle to be serviced and just wander around the lot if you want. They've got new cars. They've got used cars. It's great. If you go to royalbryan.com, uh, Jesse will pop up and try and help you out like he's, he's pitching the Mustang yeah, He's always Mach working. E Jesse's right always working, yeah. If Jesse's paid by the hour, he's doing pretty good. If he's on salary, uh, we're going to have to negotiate for him. But I think uh, every time I see Jesse, he seems he seems quite happy. Um, oh, and it's is, is our old pa- oh, it's, hey Jesse, what's going on, brother? So send a little message here on Facebook Live. See if how easy it is. If you're listening to the audio download, uh, you know we just uh, just go buy a car there. Theater of the mind. Um, but yeah, go get a car. Royalbryan.com or give him a call at eight 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 five six six five eight. Five one, and be sure to tell them that ML's mother's son sent you. They'll they'll know what you mean. Mm-hmm. So, talking about the royal family, I want to get to um, to uh, to our Windsor in a minute. But first, we want to take you behind the scenes to what the real royal family is like. Oh, <laughs> right. You see, I set up here, and you like it, yeah, little girl. Yeah, what a piece of our palace action, eh? What? <laughs> You think you could just, like, show up and take over, yeah? Do a bit of queening and that, right? Uh, I beg your pardon, Your Majesty, but why are you two talking like that? This is how we really talk, love. <laughs> Not so nice, right? <laughs> but it gets the job done, don't it? Uh, your Majesty, uh, I promise I, I, I don't want a piece of your action. I, uh, I want to marry William. All uh, right, well, if you're going to be part of the family... Uh, you've got to know the rules. No, oh, Your Majesty, your, your secretary briefed <laughs> Philip's me playing with her hair. I'm not talking about salad forks, love. This got the gum and the diaries. toothpick. <laughs> Straight up cockney. That's right. Because that movie's crap, isn't it? 
I think it has its moments, but <laughs> what rules are you talking about, Your Majesty? All right, first off, when it comes to stuff in a palace, yeah, don't go asking questions like, where'd you get this vase or where that throne from? That's <laughs> oh, we nicked it. That's right. <laughs> that means stolen. That is true, though, too. It's such a great sketch, the old... Oh, yeah. William comes back in and they're back to their proper British uh, senses. It reminds me of the uh, Reagan... Sketch where Phil uh, sketch where Phil Hartman. Oh, that's a classic where he's running everything and nobody can keep up with him. Yeah, yeah. people it, come in for photo ops. He's like, well, and the second they leave, he's like, back to work. Yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's so in charge. It's just oh, a no. great concept. That's classic, and I and I love uh, Bill Hader and Fred Armisen. They're awesome in that skit, and I love. I love the part where he's like, uh, when you're out and about waving like Princess Di, but when you're in the bedroom. Be more like Fergie. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and Prince William's like, used to be better looking, but still, which is true. Remember when Prince William was a good looking one, and now it's sort of like, eh, what's up with the cue ball? He looks just like his dad now. Yeah. Well, it's, no, his dad has a full head of hair, and he's got those car doors coming off the side of his head. But, uh, really? But I feel still, like he looks like him. Prince no. Charles, you think? No, I think he looks more like his mom, if his mom was bald. By the way, King George III was the last to uh, appoint a appoint a uh, prime minister. So Really? Is that the Mad King George? Uh, yeah. Wow, I can see why they ditched it. So right yeah. after so uh, not, we had a revolution? And, yeah, right. Oh, exactly. Right. So, Crazy. So, well, yeah. I think the anyway. queen still has to... <laughs> the, the queen still has to invite the prime minister to That's form all, but it's all. Does it doesn't it's 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 ceremony. Yeah. 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 And 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 if and it goes both ways too. So if the queen said, you know, you know, here's the deal, Boris Johnson. You got to see Lady Jane, or I'm not going to let you form a government. Then the public would go after the Queen. So right. I mean, it's it's an interesting how there's some dynamic tension there. It's kind of ridiculous, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's silly, but but you know the thing is, um, we have our own our own uh, uh, royalty here um, from the House of Windsor. Not really. I have no idea what I'm in store for. Sean here. Windsor. Sean Windsor. So, uh, oh, I, I get there's a there's a hilarious. Um, I'm sure it's funny. It's, it's not really hilarious, but there's a documentary on the Smiths, and in it there's uh, one of these like punky kind of commentators who says, "Yeah, they don't like the royal family, but they're just a bunch of ugly Germans." And it's true, they are Germans yeah. when they mm-hmm. the throne, you know, shops spun around. Uh, some German folks came over and took over in England. So, and then they were bombing the hell out of them twenty years later. So that's ironic. But um, so. For those of you listening to the full audio download, we really appreciate that. And you get more of the show than our friends on Facebook Live, who we still are grateful for. And hello. Hi out there. How's it going, friends on Facebook Live? But uh, you missed the end of the show where we get to a lot of reader feedback. We do Room 609 and, and some other great elements Seven, of the show. What is that? What did I say? Eight? 609. Six, oh, sorry. The wait. number fell off. Yeah. We, had to, we had to cut back. <laughs> We had, to, we had to economize. We, we, we dropped 10 floors uh, down to 609. But the post-Facebook uh, no, section is, is where Sean really shines. I oh, think. yeah. Sean, you know, it's like he, he, kind, of, he, he kind of awakens from his slumber. <laughs> and he, 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 uh, we're just about are you gone. Having, are you having a problem over there? I'm just sort of sliding <laughs> off the earth over here. So, I'm going to go ahead and turn away. I don't want to see you he's motherfuckers. Getting, he's getting a little fidgety. Oh, well, he, well, well, man, I didn't know this. And, Usually you have to work to wait till we're off Facebook Live for the cursing, so Sean's getting an early start. Um, Sorry about that, uh, folks. But he talked about um, going and getting milk duds, and it was a, a uh, it it's seemed a like an interesting little distraction, a little a little bit of uh, a little bit of um, titter tatter to nothing to, anecdote to keep am- the show from uh, rapping as it should have. But it's actually generated quite a lot of interest uh, to the point where. 
Um, William sent us a double saw buck with the message, Snow Caps Milk Duds. So Sean's already raised $10 hey, wow. for the show, which is more than any of my damn stories have done. Then, well, at certain stores, that'll buy, you know, you get a deal like three for three for whatever. So if, that's 10 spoke, bucks will get you three boxes. like the Milk Dud guy. If that's you right. shop where I shop, 10 <laughs> bucks will get you 10 boxes of Milk Duds, man. That's below five, any dollar store in town or the uh, discount aisle at Meyer. Well, the other nice thing about going to Rite Aid or not that we want to name drop here, CV, CVS, maybe any of these drop. places, the boxes are still the size they were in the 80s and 90s. Oh, gigantic. Um, yeah, you go into a theater, right? Yeah. And well, it's not just milk duds; it's all the boxes of candy that are smaller. And I suppose that's good for a, a country with a a sugar problem, right? What? But uh, you know, boy, thanks for thanks for making it a downer. Um, <laughs> may, may, maybe that's why Mike, aka Jerk One in the Seats, tweeted. Why do I have a feeling we got the cleaned-up version of Sean's Rite Aid Milk Duds story, and it was actually the cashier at A&L Winecast on West Stadium who knows all the customers' favorite skin mags, or so I've heard. Oh, my God, a and the best. So uh, That's quite a reference. I, I think Mike is projecting there a little bit. This is, this is but not I me. appreciate that, Mike. This is, yeah, the jerk in the seats. And then Pat gets on, uh, on the act writing, I could relate to Sean a bit with his Milk Dud tale. There's a party store about 150 yards from my condo in Plymouth. I've been in there a lot in the 15 years I've been in Plymouth. Sometimes I think it's had how well, how well I know the two brothers that run it. And, and just to recap, not to snow cap, Sean was talking about how he must be buying too many milk duds because when he went in, one of the folks who works at the right, it says, hey, it's the milk dud guy. And he, he had a moment of reflection and a little bit of shame, and then he got some more milk duds, so he got over it. So uh, my man Pat says they walk into the store with this uh, female friend of his to get... Um, some Coors Light, he says, sorry, it's not Altus. Well, shame Do on you me. know who I am? And he says, they walk up to the store to grab some beer. This woman he's with, he's trying to impress. She's a bit of a beer snob. So she says, I know Coors Light is probably off the table. So they grab a couple four packs of some overpriced stuff. Maybe it was M43, which is delicious, by the yeah. way. Mm. On the way to the register, they pass the bottle kid, Kyle. He looks down and sees my beer choice and says, hmm, that's a little outside your price point, isn't it, Pat? Oh. <laughs> so Pat turns with a scowl and replies, Thanks a lot, Kyle. I'm on a date here. He was horrified. I smiled and we all had a good laugh. Point being, Sean shouldn't feel bad about being Milk Dud Guy. It beats being Coors Light Guy to a bottle kit at a party store. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Uh, have you been back? Sean, any any milk dud updates? Have you been back? I'm trying to think if I have been back. No, no, I was just I was just thinking about Coors and how back in the '80s. Sorry to digress here. Not the party ball. You're not going to talk about the party ball. Do you remember though? You could you couldn't get it outside of uh, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So it was a thing. The banquet beer. It was like Olympia. And now you realize those are the piss beers in their neighborhood. But it was. But yeah, anytime something's not available, you sort of. You know, romanticized a little bit, right? So Coors was a, a thing. But you were very scared, not scared. You just didn't want to go back because you didn't like being known as the Milk Dud guy. Oh, I thought you were talking about scared to drink a Coors. No, I was more of a malt duck guy in, uh, in high school. It was a little, little, little bottle, about? like, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 ounces. Okay. Oh, I'm trying to describe it. It looked like a, a, a Perrier <laughs> bottle, only it was clear glass instead and a little shorter. And it was, it was called malt duck. It was some kind of... Wine. You're turning into ML. Duck. You know what I mean? Wow. And uh, it was cheap, and you mixed in a little black label, not in the bottle, but you you filled your trunk with black label and malt duck, and you were good to go. Good to go to. In Texas, anyway. So this is, uh, 
this is very much like The Crown. You tune in to try and find out about the glamour of the House of Windsor, and you get behind the scenes, and you're like, wow, these are some really sick people. Well, at least we didn't fill up the trunk with ice like they did in Days also, of Confused. You also you know? never answered the question. Yeah, it's no more milk does. Well, well, what are we talking about? <laughs> wow. Yes, I was I was back uh, a few nights ago to oh, watch. Okay. Actually, we've been watching this uh, British show called Ripper Street. and. Okay. um Takes place in the in the Whitechapel part of London, okay. uh, you know, in the late in eighteen nineties, eighteen eighties, and so on and so forth. So I went to get Milk Duds to enjoy that show, to better enjoy that show. Were you recognized? Well, I'm recognized wherever I go. D- did oh. you go to Rite Aid? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually never recognized, which is good. Did you go to Rite Aid? Or are you why going to a so, dollar store? Why is now, it so hard so to get the answer to this question? Yeah. yeah, I went to. Uh, yeah, I went to Rite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. I did go to Rite well, It does take a okay? while to warm up. No, no, no. Yeah. What's going on? No, no, no. No, because I was just, I'm distracted by how terrible I look in this. Oh, you uh, look fine. I look like the guy. Did you guys ever see Ghost? <laughs> yes. Do you remember the guy in the subway who teaches uh, Patrick Swayze yes. how to move? I know exactly what you're talking about. He's got circles under his eyes that go down to his cheekbones at least. And you you are separated at birth with him right yeah, now. Yeah, that's, that's you have how the hoodie on, too. That's how I'm I look. proud to say I have no idea what you're that's talking about. A long, thin face that looks sad, sad and pathetic. Yeah, that's me. No, so I get in there the other night, and there's nobody in the store. I, I was going to beat up on him, but it's he's, he's doing such a no, good no. job himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I get in there the other night. It's like five, six minutes to ten. They close at ten. I don't normally like to do that. I would never do that at a restaurant. Mike would. But uh, but in a store, you figure a retail store, it's just a simple transaction. You can get in and out. You're not going to keep them there any later. There's nobody in there. You know, all light, fluorescent light, nobody in there. So I'm waiting and waiting. I get my duds. I try to make noise with them. I rattle them in the box, hoping that'll cue somebody to come up. Nobody comes. Um, so finally, I walk to the back of the store, and I say hello, and I hear, just a minute. So I go back up to the front. I wait a few more minutes. <laughs> right? This is It's almost 10 o'clock at this point. I'm thinking, well, I can't be in here after close. So I thought, I'll go back one more time, and I yell out again, are you okay? Because I was starting to get worried that there was – I knew my gal was back there because yeah. I could tell by her voice. My gal? You know, hey, my, the, yeah. the, you know what you I mean. You don't own her. No, I don't own her. She's not mine. Mine. It's well, not I, like- I never felt. I never felt like such an efficient storyteller in my life. <laughs> not, who thought I was going to be the but guy? I was who starting was to wonder. Is and and she was in the pharmacy area, and the the shades were drawn, so you couldn't see anything. And I was starting to wonder: Is she being held back there? Really? That what? you really thought that's what I, was going I actually, on? Actually, no. It was it was a little unnerving. Seriously? Seriously. And it's it's strange to be in a store. Uh, a corporate store like that too, where nobody comes. I was in there for six or seven minutes with nobody coming up. So did you? And that's just odd, don't so you think? Did you just leave? I I started to leave, and then I heard finally somebody up in the front say, "Hey, I can help you." Ah, uh, and he said, "Should have uh, tried to shoplift something." I'm that sorry, got, I, yeah, somebody and, out yeah, real quick. Yeah, he said, "I'm sorry, I was back in the office, and she was back there." Anyway, what were they doing? Well, back there? Who knows? What I really like in a story, and so Andy. that was uh. <laughs> All for milk duds. But was, was it at the right aid? Am or I gonna have you, to call the cops? What's that? Did you switch it up? Are you still going to the right aid? Or are you now so bashful that you're you're buying milk duds in other places? No, I'll I'll go a Kroger occasionally because they have the big boxes. You know. So William, I should tell you now. If you want your ten dollars back, we will. Yeah, you know, yeah. We will willingly Sean return. Sean should give you twenty. I, yeah, it's uh, for all that time. Wow. So okay. So still still eating milk duds, are you? 
Yeah, we can't really. No, don't ask him a question. Yeah, he's sorry. he's okay. turning into you, and so, it'll be another twenty minutes. So, t- tell me what else is going on at the House of Windsor. How how is uh, how is the royal consort doing? We're all good. There's no House of Windsor. I was adopted, man. I've come from car salesman in San Antonio. We don't need to talk about me. But what about what about the? Uh, I want to know about the the Dauphin and the uh, and the Crown Prince. The Dauphin, you mean the helicopter, the French helicopter? No, 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 no. The uh, the that's the French air Dauphin. That's the, uh, the aerospatial. The 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 two uh, the two boys, the uh, Andrew and uh, Charles of of your house of Windsor. They're doing all right. How are your girls? They're doing good, but this this is I'm just a commoner. I want to know about No, I'm a commoner. What in the hell are you talking about? <sighs> what are we talking about here? Um career suicide, um uh, writ large. No, okay, so so nothing's going on over there. That's it. You just bought some milk duds. And- no, I I'm surrounded by hippies and I eat milk duds occasionally and that's about it, you know. Okay. Are those locally sourced milk I duds? I tell myself how bad I am all the time. What's that? Are those locally sourced milk duds? That's a good question. If they're Zingerman's, they would be. Well, they make them from scratch. Well, you wouldn't they're, get those for a dollar. They're a little factory. That'd be like $100. What, you know, what are they, we talking they do make, about? Uh, they do make marshmallows, though. Mark would probably like those. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can see this. Boy, I'm, I'm feeling St. Patrick's Day show all over. Um, oh, that took, a, that took nine, seven, we, eight people to screw up. Except we have a good connection. Um Wow. Okay. So, anyways, um, if you like milk duds, um, so wait a second. You're trying to, to you're to trying to turn a silly little anecdote about milk duds into a whole show. No, no. I'm I'm saying the response. This this was a this was a throwaway I'll tell you anecdote. What it is. They weren't talking about. They weren't responding to milk duds. They were responding to the idea of being out and kind of. People hate yourself are, and guilty pleasures and all that. People are fascinated by your life. Yes, I I think you're you're, you're I'm fascinated by your life. You're missing well, you this. and Zoovs are just fascinating to me. Yeah, why Zoovs? I mean, oh, no he's a man of mystery, but but uh, because he doesn't say much, and that's exactly. Well, there's, there's some quirks yeah, there. Those <laughs> wheels are turning with Zoovs. You you don't know what's going on behind. Uh, that's a good thing. You know, we need a little mystery, kind of like trying to get Coors when you're 17. Yeah, but but what, what I'm what I'm trying to tell you, Sean, is you had a throwaway anecdote in extra time, and it triggered this massive response by our audience, and I think they want to know more about what goes on. Now, I think I think now they might want to know less, but I, this was a theory I had. <laughs> Nobody has that much and time anymore. And I was anymore. eager to test it in this in this uh, in this laboratory. Uh, in the in the uh, yeah, I painted a nice picture, fluorescent lighting, a woman potentially being held oh, against, no. against a go. gun. I mean, you know, that's all right. So, do you often walk into situations, and if you're not served immediately, you think there's some sort of conspiracy? Are you like Sylvester Stallone? No, but I worked uh, as a cook in my teenage years. And, Is it, are and, milk duds uh, the problem? And you're the was cure? part of a few holdups. You know, I mean, if, right? So, and it's intense, and you just yeah. But you you. You promptly served them food before they held you up, right? Or was it what was uh, this was a Kentucky fried chicken, no. We all just dug down. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And um, then they, and then somebody got taken hostage and yeah. Wait, anyway, what? That's that's another that's another story. But well, it was better than the last one. It gave us the highlights. This is what's amazing about you. Hey, you just throw away the statement that somebody was held hostage. So I was a roadie with the flaming hyenas and we ended up getting into a fight with George Harrison. But anyways, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, I had to murder a man with my bare hands and uh, Let's talk about that Akil Badu. So tell us about the the hostage situation. No, you go ahead. Do you not want to talk about I don't about have a hostage situation. Not a story you want to talk about? Oh, it was it was yeah, it was intense. 
How about that? <laughs> As you can imagine. What's up? Now you're doing bad baby. How about that? You know, at least <laughs> no, I will tell you this. Uh, I ended up befriending me and a, another friend of mine, really good buds. We befriended the general manager of that Kentucky Fried Chicken. We used to go out drinking, and he ended up dying not that long after. Drank himself to death. That was sad. <laughs> Do we have that non sequitur uh, thing <laughs> queued up for Tom Maswell? I mean, I don't know what's so happening. We, we, to him we today. just we just went from uh, being bogarted out of a good hostage situation story to a, we had a friend who ran a chicken store and died. <laughs> what's the? Can you walk us through the thought process there? How did one lead to the other? What's the? Uh, what's the? Um, just sitting there stoically. Hello? So uh, so a guy we were getting ready. To- we're getting ready to close. It was in Kentucky Fried Chicken. And, no, it's a quick one in Champaign, Illinois. And this is back in the early 80s. And a guy tried to get in the back. You know, it was the summertime. And you have a screen door. And then you have a – and it was just a screen door. The main door was was swung open. And uh, another one of my – the guys I was working with went back quickly and locked it. And the guy tried to get in the back, and he flashed a gun, and right? He wanted oh, really? In. Wow. Yeah. And – um so the guy was next to me. He was quick thinking, and he ducked down. He sort of jumped on the floor and was able to shut the door. Well, it turns out, because we were close to closing time, another gal who worked the drive through window, one of the gals, had gotten out, was going out to her car. He, The gunman went around the parking lot, got her, wow. put the gun up to her head, and came up to the drive through window and said, let me in, Holy or shit. I'm going to kill her. Wow. So that was the hostage situation. How old were you? In 19, 18, 18. So how did it resolve? Um, you let him in. What's that? You let him in. No, he didn't yeah, let him so, in. No, no, no. It was all so quick. I don't know if he got spooked, but maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Everybody ducked, and somebody went to the back to try to let him in, and uh, he got spooked and took off. Oh. So, yeah, we were fortunate. But uh, I still would have scared the shit yeah, out of Yeah, for 30 yeah. seconds or so, 45 yeah. seconds, yeah, before he bolted. Wow. But uh, kudos to the, the guy I was working with who dove back to shut the door. And what did you do? We just, didn't know our colleague was uh, out did there. Just, did you just freeze? Yeah, I just stood and, 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 and yeah, it did, and just dropped down. What are you going to do? Most people do, yeah. I think you might make a stain in your red uh, Colonel <laughs> Sanders pants. Yeah, well. Well. I don't know. It's, now, anyway. did you report it, or were you just like, I Oh, yeah, just, no, I we reported I just want to go home at this point. Yeah, the, no, yeah, we reported, and the police came. Did they, ever, wow. did they ever ever apprehend the culprit? I don't remember. That's a good question. Huh. Damn. Okay. Well. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know how we got there, but we yeah, got Yeah, no, there. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. We're going to skip right over the story about the, the buddy years who died. Yeah. Just because I think we may run out of time. The what? Who died? The, the general manager. Oh, no. Was, there's no story there. That there's was no story. Just, that was just a... But he was a nice guy. Great guy. He died with the colonel's secret recipe. Great guy. Looked he like a looked secret. like Jeff Bridges kind of had that vibe going to him. Anyway. Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. That's enough. No, we need to talk about your council. Yeah, tell us about your campaign. Did oh. Gabe Leland step down? Gabe Leland did not step down. Um, although last week, uh, as you may recall, I came to the studio shortly. Uh, I mean, like shortly. almost immediately after shooting a video at City Hall. Uh, calling upon Gabe Leland, the uh, city councilman who I've been exposing for six or seven years now, who was indicted for bribery charges three years ago last year, cut a secret deal to plead guilty of misconduct in office, which is a felony, which would cost him his job, refuses to step down. His colleagues seem unwilling to say there is a rat in the house. I will always be the first to yell that there is a rat in the house and then try and stomp it or hit it with something hard. 
and so we shot um, a video. Uh, my mom was the uh, photographer, and that video went a little something like this. Well, it's rolling oh. right now because I just want to see where your mom is at. I exposed his secret plea deal and FBI recordings where he demanded those bribes from the businessman. Councilman Leland has got to go. If he refuses to resign, I call upon the other city council members to defund his staff, remove him from the committees on which he serves, and to take away the keys to that city car he used to drive. Did any of that happen? Uh, no, none of that happened. Interesting. But I will tell you, it took a few takes to get this right, partly because of, uh, because of me, because it's quite a long uh, statement. Partly because of some... Uh, the wind? Some, well, the, yeah, there was a lot of ambient noise. And partly because I was using amateur um, videographers, and sometimes uh, sometimes their, uh, their arms got a little tired, and so we had to, uh, we had to do several takes. But it's at just one you point, in the video, yeah. Where's, uh, I do like that you're quoting yourself. At one point, my mom got... got <laughs> I mean, uh, that's kind of nice. She got on camera because we wanted to frame it up, and she said, "You know, uh, I have a suggestion for how we do this, and uh, and this is this is how it went." Should go now. Go. No more car. No more staff. Come on, people. What's the what's the matter with you? Uh, I don't know if we're going to keep that one. Oh, you should have kept that one. I mean, that was a very succinct. Um, it was. You know what's amazing comment. to me is she that cut right to it's it, not she? enough that the that, 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 <laughs> mom is adorable. It, Mark, you know what's amazing, right? Here we go. Come on, people. <laughs> it's not enough that the the podcast is named after him, and then we wear hoodies with his name on it, and that we not today apparently. We have uh, t shirts, and now we're trying to sell bikes with his name, and everything is about him, and it's it's his campaign. And now we have to listen to quotes of him, clips of him, <laughs> in his podcast where he's already talking. But you, you didn't. But I thought you asked what's going on in the campaign. So I little, wanted you to tell me. It's just not say, oh well. By the way, let me pull up a clip, and then he'll tell you over here. Formal Mike over here will tell you what's going on. I so, want you to tell well, me. It's want, a minute. A minute. Your video was a minute and a half. When honestly, it could have been about ten seconds because she no, just says no it all right staff. here. No more staff. Come on, people. What's the what's the matter with you? I mean, they're very simple. She had, the real little, mic. she had a little hitch there at the end, so we, had to, we would have had to recut that. But. I want the real mic, though. That's me. it. Yeah. So, no, that, that, show, that was just all a set piece to show an adorable are piece you, of video with my mic. Are you wearing a suit every day now? No. No. How often? Uh, whenever necessary. Okay. I did see there was some city council campaign news because Raquel Castaneda-Lopez is not running again, which I that came as a surprise to me. Were you surprised that she's not running again? Oh, absolutely. I think it surprised everybody. But the time why, why isn't she, do you know? Um, she said that she wants to get back to doing uh, sort of the social work and the activism that mm. she was doing before she became a council person. Mm. She is she is a very um very community oriented and very much um a uh, a um progressive um warrior, if you want to put it that way. She's been very outspoken on council, and apparently she feels that uh, that she can be more effective outside of outside of city hall. Um, and uh, she has endorsed somebody to succeed her. She's she's given her imprimatur uh, to uh, a young woman who um, could be the second Latina elected to Detroit City Council. Someone who sounds like she would be a uh, a. Um, uh, uh, an apt successor to uh, the councilwoman, given 
given their issues and their concerns. But one of the things that's interesting is the timing of her announcement that she would not seek another term comes today. Uh, We're recording this on 420, which is the deadline to get your petitions in. And I can tell you from soliciting petition signatures going back to January, it takes a long time to get those 300 signatures you need to get on the ballot. And most people will turn in anywhere between 400 and 600 signatures just to make sure they have enough valid signatures Mm -hmm. because you have to have voters who are registered in your district and who have not signed for any other district candidates. So the timing of her announcement is both surprising and I think it's also strategic because it keeps other people who might say, wait a minute, the councilman's not running, it's an open seat? They would get in the race. And she's effectively... effectively, yank the rug out from anybody else who was thinking, well, if Raquel doesn't run again, I'm going to run. Um, now, some people yeah, may but those think, people could have filed anyway, and then if she ended up running, just withdrew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some people may think, you know, oh, that's awfully sneaky or that's what... But to me, I just say, if you want to run for that office, if you think Let's you're the it. right person, get your ass in there. I mean, when I decided to run for this seat, it did not look like it was going to be an open seat. It looked like Councilman Spivey would be running for another term. So to me, if you think you're the best candidate... You should get off your butt and get in that race. And and I think, now maybe I'm going back a little too far for some of our listeners, but in 1992, everybody thought George Bush was a shoe in for a second term as president. And so a lot of the Democrats who were expected to run for president, Mario Cuomo, one of them, and some other leading Democrats sat on the sidelines and a good old boy named Bill Clinton got in the race. And everybody's like, well, this Clinton guy's wasting his time. Well, you know, eight years later, he completed two terms yeah, as a, president. And a Ross Perot. Yeah, and and not too long after that, well, I guess sometime after that, his wife decided to run for president. So really, so other people didn't. Yeah. The message is, if you think you're the person, get in the race and and don't don't blame other people. But it, it was it was kind of uh, it was kind of clever to make your announcement on the day that it's essentially too late for anybody else to get in that race. Huh. That's interesting, though, because with politics, there's always this underlying, eh, is that really why they did it? Is that really what they mean? Yeah, and, and, and the councilwoman doesn't seem to have another job lined up. At least she hasn't disclosed that. And, and certainly she's got another, another eight months to serve or seven months to serve. So, you know, if she's got another job, it's, <laughs> I guess they're holding it for her. But, uh, well, but the, there's very interesting. A, there's always so much spin. I mean, we're seeing it now, too, with, um, and I want to ask you guys about the Whitmer story. Um, you know, where nobody's to travel, no one's supposed to travel. And then lo and behold, it turns out a month ago, she went down to Florida. Um, she says to take care, to see her sick father. And it was only two days, but you know, once again, how do you not doubt that, that that's really what was going on down there? Well, is, is the rule that you're not supposed to travel or that they advise against it if you can avoid it? Well, she told us not to travel. And then, of course, we find out that um, Trish Foster and Elizabeth Hertel, the two um, health and human services people and people in charge of the vaccine, were down there traveling unvaccinated. And that was a huge disaster. She doesn't really come down hard on them at all. And then turns out, oh, maybe that's because she just went to Florida a month ago or whatever, which... You know, really not even open and honest about the dates. And I think that's what drives me nuts about this story is she ran on this whole thing of transparency. And she has been very transparent in a lot of things, in my opinion. Well, I I would make a distinction between the trips that the governor took and that some of her appointees took because those seem to be more social trips, more like spring break fun trips. They put their pictures on Facebook, yeah. Right, whereas 
she went to go visit her father, who she says is sick. I believe he's an, an older gentleman, um, has been retired from Blue Cross Blue Shield for quite some time. Well, I pe- mean, people, I'm, aren't, people I'm, just won't believe that, though. Yeah, so here's, here's where the problem is. I would never criticize someone who went to go visit a sick elderly relative. We've all seen the agony and the anguish that people have gone through for the past year because they couldn't visit someone they love who was in a nursing home or who was in a position where, you know, in the best interest of everyone, we should basically leave them in isolation. Uh, You can travel now. You can travel responsibly if you've been vaccinated. You know, that's, that's appropriate. But I think the problem is right now there's there's a question of who can we believe because, you know, there hasn't been some of the transparency that we would want to have. Exactly. And so now there's a there's I guess a culture of doubt where we have to you have to prove that you're telling the truth as opposed to we believe you until we can prove otherwise. And I think that's sort of a... She's kind of fed into that. I remember her husband going up north to rake leaves or to put his boat in the water. And then, oh, that was just a joke. And it's just... I, she's well, and that might have been a of, joke. We still I've, don't know. Well, no, but I feel was, like there's enough doubt. There's, there's been enough doubt. Not funny joke, but... No, then there's been enough doubt that that's why people are going to keep questioning it. Well, the other thing is we have people who are doing equally stupid things who are ascribing the most uh, uh, unsubstantiated motives to the governor for political purposes. And so now we're in, a, we're in this vortex where everybody is a liar until proven otherwise. You know, the way I work as a, as a reporter and just as a human being is I believe everybody's telling me the truth until I can prove otherwise. And with the governor's aides who have embarrassed uh, the, the uh, administration, you know, there's plenty of evidence that they were down there you know, yucking it up on the beach. Whereas with the governor, we haven't seen any evidence that she was out there dipping her toe in the Atlantic or, you know, riding out on a fan boat in the, in the Ophi Kenofi or whatever the hell's going on down there. So I think we have to believe her until we have evidence to well, the contrary. Until, until the rumor starts going, until people start whispering, hey, by the way, she was down there a month ago and then she has to come out and say, just it, there's the appearance that she is, you know, not telling the truth. I understand that in Paris, but speaking of transparency, if I may. Oh, boy, where's this going? Uh-oh. The same summer that uh, I was involved in the hostage situation. <laughs> Shit, here's still a tough segue. Okay. No, no, we're not still in it. It's a, it's yeah, a different yeah. thing. I, I, I'm gonna I be also tra- held I'm gonna be, somebody hostage. I'm going to be trans- No, I didn't, but I am going to be I tra- robbed the store. I'm going to be transparent to our audience here. It doesn't have anything to do with Milk Duds, although I did enjoy Milk Duds back in that era. Oh boy. But uh, a friend of mine went out. We had a little bit too much to uh, to drink. We needed something to eat. There was a steak and was shake. Was it that funky malty shit you had in the trunk? Uh, who knows at that point? A steak and shake. Uh, you remember those, right? I think yeah. they're still around a few. Dear were... God, here we go. Used to be open late, so we went in, we <laughs> ate, and we realized we had no money. And uh, for the one and only time in my life, I dined in Dash. But I did. Uh... And you're in the food service industry? I know, and it was horrible, but I did. it didn't go well. Uh, we got Outrageous. chased. We got chased down the street. I jumped, hid behind the bushes, and uh, tore my knee up and woke up the next morning. Serves you right. It did. It did. So that was my karma. karma. I, uh, I tore some cartilage in my knee. Oh, God. Well, yeah. okay. So I so don't there want... there we go. So that was my... Should I, so should I'm just I cut trying that, to be transparent. Should I cut that part and put it where, you know, after the other story? <laughs> no, we're kind talking of about transparency. Oh, we're, think... ta- we're talking about transparency, and I'm just saying here... The other story is still going. His, his closet. So uh, actually a friend of mine in college, and it really was a friend of mine. It wasn't me. Uh, 
had always wanted to dine and dash, and so there's this great uh, like uh, subterranean um, late night. Uh, uh, chili cheese fries and and uh, Coney Dog place called Top oh, Dog. Boy. Here we go. And he dined and dashed, and he got home and he was exhilarated. He's like, "Oh, I did it! I finally did it! I ran out on the check. You know, it was like six bucks or something like that." He's like, "Yeah, man, that was awesome!" Six bucks. And then did he's looking around. And he goes, "Oh shit, where's my leather jacket? Uh, he left it at the place." <laughs> So he dined and dashed on a $6 tab and left behind, like, I don't know, $80, $90 leather bomber jacket. So I was like, that's karma, bitch. What a turd. Mark's never done anything like that. No, no. What'd you do? Did you steal a bit of honey? uh, I've never done anything bad in my life. A Mars bar? Never done anything bad in my life. Nothing. Never been. (laughs) No, nothing. You never had a a beer before you were 21? (laughs) Nope. Uh, I can't believe. Sean, of course. I can't believe Mark won't. Of course. Share a little something. Why don't you I, share I have a little never, something? You're trying to get me to me? talk about my milk dud uh, habit and my boys and all this other stuff. Why don't you say? Share I've got something. a very boring life. Why don't you I've share got, a little I know something? one of Mark's stories. So well, how about a regret? A like, small regret. You know, oh, uh, every day's a regret. Oh, come on. Quit getting existential. How about a small regret? Uh, let me think about it. I will think. You, you know, Mark's dad owned some McDonald's. And Used to. In, in high school... Mark would take the Ronald McDonald shoes and wear them to school before prom and say, it's true. He'd just walk around with those big shoes and say, it's true. You know what's funny? I've never, like, shoplifting was a big deal around uh, my friends. I never never did. I remember they used to go to Hudson's and go in the changing room and put on clothes and then put baggy clothes because baggy clothes were big in the early 90s just over and walk out. And I just, I don't know, I I never did any of that. There were other things that I rather not discuss. I don't know if the oh, statute yeah. of limitations are running oh, out yeah. or not. Oh, I see. You don't want to discuss them, huh? Did you ever really. take your parents' car for a joyride before you were legally uh, could legally drive? Um, not really, no. I'm telling you, I'm bored. I'm a boring person. How about you? Uh, there was a time when we were at some function at the Botsford Inn, and uh, it was a long, boring uh, engagement, and so I got <laughs> out in the family K-car, one of the only K-cars ever made with a stick, and uh, went for a little drive, and as I was pulling back in the parking lot, I realized, holy shit, uh, someone's in that parking spot. Everybody's going to know that I moved the car. <laughs> and I thought, well, this this caper didn't end well. And then, <laughs> How old uh, were you? Wait, how old were you? Uh, 15, 15, something like that. But then the person who was in the parking spot, or someone right next to it, moved. And I was like, well, this is going to work out just grand. So I pulled it in, and no one to this day... Oh, shit. Your mama knows now. Until now, now she yeah. knows. Yeah. yeah. And then there was a little thing with trying to outrun some cops in high school, but that didn't, uh, <laughs> that didn't, um, Which, what? That didn't result in any charges. I'll just tell you that. And the funny thing is, so here's how, Very cryptic. here's how life gets crazy. So, uh, so, I, we were, we were speeding around, you know, just in high school, knuckleheads speeding around and noticed that, uh, there was a cop car behind my buddy and we were on a boulevard. So I'm on the other side of the boulevard and I see my buddy and I see the cop car behind him. And I'm like, oh shit, it's the cops. And the guy who's with me says, what are we going to do? Lose them? And of course, I had a complete blank slate. So I'm like, oh my God. And this guy filled the vacuum with this thought of we're going to lose them. Well, on some level, I knew that a buddy of mine lived around the corner. So I just hit the gas, cut the corner, took another turn, pulled in the driveway, cut the lights, and we both ducked down. And we're looking out the window. We see the cops drive right past the street, and they realize there's nobody in front of them. So they back up, and then they close us in in the driveway, and they got their guns drawn, and like, get the hell out of the car. And I'm like, you know, hey, man, it's just, you know, whatever, man. My God. So we end up going to the uh, 
We ended up going to the PD, and all they did was they called our parents to say, you know, you know, you assholes. And so here's the fast forward. That sergeant who uh, who led the uh, the uh, strike force that apprehended the two uh, the two absconders. It turns out later on, his son was the assistant attorney general who led the investigation into the Manoogian Mansion party rumor <laughs> wow. and the stories of abuse of overtime that Jim Schaefer and I turned up by uh, at the free press by the mayor's bodyguards. And so he, um, he was the lead investigator on all of that. And in fact, there was one point where he and I were talking and, uh, you know, and I, I said, you know, you know, your dad, you know, almost arrested me that one time. So can you give me an exclusive? And he's like, yeah, whatever, dude, that's not how it works. So anyways, uh, there was one time I was at the investigative reporters and editors conference, and I think it was in San Francisco, and I was trying to get an update on the case. And so I called him from a pay phone because this was a while ago. And he says, yeah, you know, we're just not finding anything on this party. You know, you know, what, what do you think? And we're talking, we're talking not for the record now. And I said, yeah, Jim and I have investigated this pretty thoroughly. And I said, you know, it has all the makings to me of an urban myth. And he's like, okay, well, you know, we're still going to be working on this for a while. Fast forward several months, Mike Cox has his press conference and says, the reports on the police overtime and some of the other things, you know, they appear to be true. That's something that should be dealt with administratively. And he says, as for the Manoogian Mansion Party, it has all the makings of an urban myth. And I'm sitting there with my notebook saying, oh, my God, they're stealing my shit. Um, but, uh, uh, sad ending to this story. I was working late on a Friday and we got a report that there was some, um, there was some musical performance. It was some festival on the river walk behind the, uh, behind the Renaissance center and a guy playing guitar on stage dropped dead, a young guy. And, uh, as I'm listening to, um, the, uh, the scanner traffic, I realize it's this guy who had uh, led the uh, attorney general's investigation. He also was a musician. He died, so I wrote the obit. And then not too long after that, his dad, who had pulled me over 20 years, 25, 30 years earlier, sent me a thank you card for writing the obit for his son. So it's just kind of weird how, you know, you keep running over each other's tracks. Yeah, I mean, it's just pretty crazy, but... um, but yeah, so I tried to outrun the cops once. I guess that's, <laughs> that's kind of is that was that quick or long? Uh, it, you know what? It was it was it was uh, it moved. I, I was intrigued. I like the part about you. There's a long story the, well told, the, and then there's some shit about nice. people being held hostage for milk duds. <laughs> Just listen to the tape. There's something to be learned. Here. That was a lot quicker. Yeah, but uh, so, uh, you know what else is criminal? Letting your uh, your hair go and not getting a proper haircut. Yes, you have when hair you let a story segment. and your hair go too long, very criminal. Not so good. Get it fixed. Get back into a normal routine. Let Lady Jane's help you look and feel just like a king Windsor or Queen Windsor. Either, just, any which is it? I don't know. Just make it look. Yeah, tell do. me you want to look. Tell me what the Sean. <laughs> just go bald. <laughs> exactly. It's like the Larry Fine. Uh, get to Lady Jane's in Grand Blank on Saginaw Road, just south of Hill Road, next to AutoZone. Let one of their talented stylists give you an award-winning haircut, invigorating shampoo, hot lather, neck shave, and a hot towel treatment for just sixteen bucks. 
Don't procrastinate. Keep your hair looking its best. Get to Lady Jane's Haircuts for Men today. Once again, this one's on Saginaw Road, just south of Hill Road, next to AutoZone. Lady Jane's and Grand Blank. It's wicked awesome, and you can find the one closest to you on uh, their website. And you know who else is wicked awesome? i got to say this before we move on. Vicki Thomas of WWJ 950 AM. She is... Hall of Famer. One of the great... Michigan Journalism Hall of Famer. The pride of Highland Park... An outstanding human being, a great reporter. She has been pounding the streets of Detroit for longer than you would believe for someone as young and lovely as she is. And she is an outstanding reporter, a leader in the uh, National Association of Black Journalists, one of the leaders of DCNABJ, the Detroit chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. And she will be retiring later this month. Um, I have asked her if once she's retired, she will come on the show and tell some of those stories that she couldn't tell when she was working as a reporter. So hopefully we will have Vicki Thomas on a future episode the amazing of Soul thing of Detroit. Is, um, yeah, she's awesome. The amazing is when I saw that story, I'm like, no one retires from radio. They just get fired eventually. That's right. <laughs> you never hear. It's very rare to hear uh, about somebody retiring. So it's well, a they, testament to her good work. They kept her around. And they have a good contract there. It's a SAG-AFTRA-represented uh, uh, radio No, it's because so. she does good work. Why couldn't you just end on that? Well, because she, she's also a union activist, so she's, she's provided herself with the kind of good <sighs> benefits and contract terms that allow her to re- retire before she's 1,007. Well, congratulations. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? That's a really great shot on Facebook of you standing up. Are you cold? You all right? I learned this from LaDuff that you got to move around. <laughs> yeah. If you want to keep people. So I'm wearing my... Got to have movement. I'm wearing my... Uh, I don't know if you can see it over there in the cheap seats, but uh, I have oh, my... Oh, God. My Morrissey Polo shirt on, which uh, was, a, was a gift uh, back when... Uh, it wasn't as ironic, but if you don't like irony, then you don't like Morrissey. And Morrissey is our Geek of the Week because he likes to dish it out to the royal family, to people who eat meat, to the media, even members of his own band. But he doesn't like it very much when that boomerang comes back around. If you saw The Simpsons, you know that, that the Mazer was uh, parodied as, a, uh, as sort of a figment of Lisa's imagination who's Com- sort of a, a noble fellow. Complete with uh, parody songs, too, like this one. The flesh that you cover with cheese is proof of your moral disease. It's death for no reason, and death for no reason is hamburger homicide. <laughs> I mean, that just does sound like a Morrissey song, I gotta say. That, I, I did not think the voice they used for Morrissey was very good during the show, but the singing... Is is pretty yeah, that's, uh, pretty close. A uh, guy from Flight of the Concords, and then uh, the voice uh, actor was Benedict Cumberbatch, I believe. Yes, it is. Every day I try to smile, but can't help but frown. Every day I draw my bath and pray I will drown. I step out my door and I take a deep breath. Turn back inside and pray for my death Cause everyone is horrid except me and possibly you Everyone is horrid except me and possibly you 
That, per- perfect Morrissey parody, right? Actually, you know that that's a parody because I'm not sure Morrissey would allow that there's a possibility that you're not Horde. <laughs> so he's your gig of the week? It's probably getting, Yes, because, because you have to be able to take it if you're going to dish it out. And as much as I love it when he's dishing it out, giving it to uh, all the conservatives and all the people who, uh, who uh, are stuck in an England that doesn't really serve uh, the, uh, the broader populace um and 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 and, you know he's he's anti-imperial and and this this idolatry of the royal family who are just a bunch of you know carpet-bagging uh foreigners who claim to be you know chosen by god to lead england you know lead it where i don't know where they i don't know where they're going but at any rate he he bitches about the show and he claims that uh he's you know been portrayed as a racist and he has said some things that raise some questions uh, in the past about his righteousness. Uh, he doesn't like that he's being portrayed as a as a carnivore. I think uh, when the real Ooh-hoo. Quillaby shows up, is who they they call Morrissey, mm-hmm. he's firing a hot dog gun. You know, and and uh, that's why and, it's a joke. Yeah. So what so um, worst of all, and I think this is what really got Mazza pissed off, is that he's portrayed as pot-bellied oh yeah fat yeah it was a great episode while he has put on some weight over the years in fact i often wonder when i see him in concert how do you pack on those kind of pounds as a vegan he still looks very good he's a very he's a very fit individual but uh but he's twice the size he was when he was swinging gladioli around gonna be mad at you on the um on top of the pops or on the uh with John Peel, but yeah, he's, I'm, I'm going to be in his next song. He also has a, he has sort of a, 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 a history of mentioning people who piss him off in his songs. So, uh, so a bit of a thin skinned chap, but after the episode aired, he and his team moaned in a world obsessed with hate laws. There are none that protect me. Oh, fuck. Oh, Which seems just a little... Too, he's got it so rough. A little too precious. And, uh, and before I picked him as Geek of the Week, uh, Teresa would have picked him as Geek of the Week because when we saw him in concert at Meadowbrook, he ended his encore with uh, a montage, a video montage of a guy putting a gun to his head and firing the gun and it just played over and over and over and over again. And you thought... Is this is there gonna is this gonna change? Is this gonna make sense? Is there gonna be some reason that we're seeing this? No, it just kept playing in this loop. It was very mm. troubling. So for that reason and for not being able to take a joke, Stephen Patrick Morrissey, you are geek of the week. <laughs> If for no other reason than to put a little air between tearing Morrissey apart and then exalting Morrissey, I want to tell you about two guys who are not geeks. Ah. The first one is David Hall, Sir David Hall. He was recently knighted by... uh, By you. Yeah, by the power of St. George and and St. Michael, I anoint you to be the, uh, to defend low interest rates 
and to protect uh, homeowners from exorbitant uh, financing deals. David Hall is a great supporter of all the shows here on the Red Shovel Network. And right now he's still doing refinance deals that are in the 2%. So call today and find out how much a refi could save you every month. When you refi, you get to skip a couple payments while they process the paperwork. So that's an immediate savings. Then there's the lower rates that bring you savings every single month. So just click on our website to get started or call 248-308-5000. That's 248-308-5000. And make sure to tell them that ML Elric sent you. And MLS 146-7435. And, and Mark, what about that other cool guy? Oh, Luke Nowacki. Overreaction is not the best strategy you want to have when you're investing, so call Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. He's going to give you rational financial advice as I pause the song and back it up. Please don't. Um, what? What? What's going on? You're going to like this song, Sean. Sean, Sean oh, I up. was enjoying it. The read was over the song, last song. I know, but the, Good for Luke. Was, Thank you, Luke. It was about to start. I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't dare step we, on Morrissey. We have so many good things to say about Luke. We can't possibly fit it in before Morrissey starts crooning. I was laughing too because while you were doing the hall read, Sean was having more issues with his chair. Oh no, he's squirming in the hot light of the spotlight. <laughs> I'm not squirming. I'm not really a squirmer. He's having chair issues today. Okay, maybe he's maybe he's got piles. Luke Nowacki can help you with your uh, chair issues. Just melancholy. Luke can also help you with stocks, bonds, 401 k. Can Luke help with melancholy? He can help you with, yeah, because he'll make you more money, right? Hopefully. He'll get you advice uh, and a strategy at the very, very least. Once again, Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. And he will make it all about you, Sean. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Piles. <sighs> Piles. You don't want those. Now you can lock it up. Yes, and now here we are with Morrissey singing a, a very bold anthem. A little ditty he calls the National Front Disco. Three more seconds. Go. Say something. Here he comes. Morrissey. Take it away, son.
Okay, so that ended a little bit more like a jam session than your typical new wave tune. But one of the reasons I why, why I picked the National Front Disco is because yes, it tell was us. <laughs> a very, very bold choice for Morrissey to do. In fact, it scared the hell out of the guys in his band because they thought you're putting a bullseye on us because you're basically making fun of the skinheads in England, many of whom belong to the National Front, who do England for the English and all this other stuff. So there's some irony in Morrissey. I don't think he always appreciates it. But uh, but this was a, a song, it's got to be going on 20 years old now, but it was a, a very, um, I think, a very strong song. Musically, it's awesome. The lyrics are terrific. And it's something that basically says, you know, oh, your precious little boy has joined uh, the skinheads. You know, what did you think was happening? He was a piece of crap. And so I, I've always loved the National Front Disco. So at the same time, we are going to send some brickbats at Morrissey. We're also going to... Send him some. I, I knew you couldn't stay mad at him that long. How could you? How could you? <laughs> he is, he is the king of. New if you say so. So, do we want a story from last week or not? Chocolate chip. No, no, oh. that's 30, that's we gotta save that five one. years ago. Yeah. Okay. You guys ask about last week. The milk duds wasn't a thing. <laughs> this is a, a very back to the milk. Yeah, We're not so, talking so about I, milk. I, Did you I, want I, to know about the House of Windsor? I killed just, a hobo who made eye contact with you me. You want to know about the House the of Windsor tracks? You want to know about the House of Windsor or not? I do. We do. It's just we didn't think it'd have to take this long. I'm sorry. I wanted to get you to do your thing, you know, and talk about the council and get on Gabe Leland and Whitmer. have your mom and Whitmer and <laughs> yeah. So good. That's all out of the way, right? It does take him a while to get going. The, the floor is yours. This is uh, this is very quick, and it's not not necessarily <laughs> funny or amusing. Oh, good. But, Let's uh, tell a boring story. But I think that it's uh, but it might be interesting. Why, why right? change could things be, up now? It could be interesting. It's not even really a story. It's just it's just. Uh, I'm okay, curious if you, curious if you guys ever have these kind of experiences. So I'm going. I go to the DQ the other day. Actually, it's uh, a couple of things down from the the A1 Wine Castle. Yeah. They're on stage. There's a DQ exactly. there. Yep. Yep. The the gals are usually in college. They work their butts off. They're they're quick. They're fast. You know. In, in any case, it's a great little spot. I go there to pick up an ice, ice cream. Women? What's that? Don't you mean the women? You keep saying gals. Because they're 18, 19, trying to get to That's, college. Those are women. Oh. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Take your time. Oh yeah. Take your time. Nobody's yeah, waiting yeah, thanks, for you. Thanks, take a Mike. call. Have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Have, a, have a nice bagel. I mean, what's directed at you? It's fine. I mean, can I have some decaf though? Because there's plenty of caffeine and decaf to get me going. Stay on target. <laughs> I'm staying on target. Stay anyway, on I go target. there to get an ice cream cake for my niece. It's her birthday, and I'm standing there in line, and I've been going to that DQ for Sean, 20 years. Sean, you switched years. off your battle computer. For 20 years, I've been going to yes. there. Charles Soul is right? laughing somewhere right now. He's... To this uh, to this DQ, and I'm curious. You guys go to your spots and your communities, whatever. used to be my spot all the time, you, yes. But do they ever trigger, like you're at a place, and it triggers memories that are both sort of sad and then sometimes funny of course yeah right so i had two so one was and and i'll be quick about this one was quick quick quit saying you're going to be quick and just be quick jake was six my oldest son was six he was in first grade we were all getting an ice cream it was late in the school year it was warm enough we're sitting outside and he says he says papa i learned a new word, word in school today my mom's there a bunch of kids are around uh, uh my grand my my wife is there and Please we said what order. jake and he says cock <laughs> as loud as can be, right? So, you know, so I'm you jump about, in and say and say a doodle do. Yeah, so I cock and he sort of spits it out almost, and it's super loud. And my mother, of course, loves it. So it's it's and my mom's been gone about loves six years. Loves what she said. Loves, yeah. said not what just. But I was thinking, you know, some <laughs> you just some, let it go. 
parents could be, <laughs> yeah, right. Just Some parents go. could be uh, a little uncomfortable, a little whatever. But she, so I was, it was making me think about her. And then a couple of years later, uh, we're in the parking lot, <laughs> and she met us there. And my boys are there, and she calls for them to run across the parking lot not paying attention that oh, there's boy, a car yeah. coming and they almost literally both get run uh, over right there. And I didn't want my mother to do it. And, uh, I'd never been more mad at her in my entire life. I, I waited until I got home and I was seething and I, I laid into her and I, I, I hated myself for doing this. The only time I really ever yelled at my mother, but, uh, I found out later she was in the early stages of dementia. So uh, I was thinking about this the other night as I'm standing in line and in that life, right? On the one hand, there's this fabulous memory of, with Jake saying, I learned cock, in, uh, the word cock in first grade. And then a few years later, my mother almost, uh, you know, oh, right. So you just, that's the that's the yin and the that's yang, great. you know? Anyway, there you go. That was the story of the week for me. And did you Th- think that that melt made Jake unfit to succeed you on the throne when he used that kind of language? Well, that's a good question. No, I was just standing there in line just thinking, God, you know, you get to a certain point in age and you, you look everywhere and you you got memories all over the place. I don't know about you, Mike, because you look forward all the time. You never look back. Is and, Sam the favorite son Which is why you're going to be now? a councilman. Is, is Sam the favorite son now because his... his... Jake would tell you Sam is. Uh, Sam would tell you Jake is to Ann. You know, I don't know if this is with the all at home. The kid who's like your spouse is maybe the one you gravitate more towards. The one that's more like you, you're like, ah, you don't want him to be like you. Hmm. What would Giuseppe Brown, I say? That's what I want to know. Oh, my God. I learned a new word Giuseppe. today. He 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 taught my boys Giuseppe Brown and I when they were about seven. <laughs> that does not sound good. No, we, not at all. It's more context for that, but it's I, a pizza I, story. I, I learned a new word today, and it was cock up, so... Yes, that's right. Full, and full uh, circle again. And cockles is a shellfish. Just go ahead. <laughs> and my mom ed- makes for your own edification. What? My mom makes cockle shell cookies that are delicious. They're basically the she butter, uses the shells the butter cookies. No. Oh, okay. Okay. Where are we at? There we go. Yeah, I I, I think uh, this is probably a good time to uh, to say this is our last show uh, <laughs> of all times. Uh, we got to ninety eight. It was a good run. Thank you. Um, um, and we apologize. I think that's probably the last thing we should say. Uh, no, we, we would invite you to donate. Just go to mlsolvedetroit.com. You can donate there. It's really easy. Make sure you support our sponsors. You can buy all our swag. Sean referenced some of it. Let's just say it's sweet as hell. And we are gratified by the number of people who are responding to this show on all platforms. So we're going to get to the mailbag. It's a little... Uh, as Mike, uh, as Mike Clark would say, it's, uh, to paraphrase, it's hard to end the show with a full bag. <laughs> but we uh, we had a lot of feedback last week and uh, and this week, so we're going to plow through it. Alicia writes, "Hey, Mr. Elric, for non-residents or even new residents unfamiliar with Detroit politics, can you briefly explain the Detroit City Council setup and what a councilman does all day? Like how many? I think there are districts, but they're also at large. What's the difference? I think I read a district councilman wants to run for at large. What is the motivation to do that? Higher pay, more power." I believe the pay is around 100 k a year. Do you have your own office, city car, or car allowance? Any other perks? What's day-to-day like for a serving council person? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more of a legislative gig than an out-of-the-community solving day-to-day issues, right? Like you can't call department heads and order them to fix constituent small issues. Lastly is the mayor's mansion in your district, so you'll be vying for Duggan's endorsement. Does the mayor never really get into your council districts? A lot of questions there. Okay, uh, for those of you guys paying attention, yes, no, yes, sometimes, <laughs> it doesn't matter, it's about 85000 you get a car, yes, no, maybe, no, outside the district, and uh, I'm not asking for anybody's permission to do nothing. No. Um, okay, briefly, briefly, uh, there are nine council districts, seven of them 
Um, there are nine council seats. Seven of them are district seats. Two are at-large. Uh, it's not clear why someone would run for at-large rather than district. I'm running in District 4, which is the east side. But I think there's a presumption that when you run at-large, you show strength, that you can represent the entire city and that you have a political base that perhaps makes you more formidable if you aspire to a higher office, like isn't, mayor isn't, isn't or Isn't that a relatively or, new change? Yes, this would be the third election we've had with districts. The uh, city right. charter it used changed to always be at large. about, a, uh, about uh, 10 years ago, and so now it's by district. And the idea was there's more accountability, that people in your district know who to call when they have a problem, and they can actually measure your performance because while it is a legislative job, you do pass ordinances and vote on the ballot and things like that. I think when a council person is really doing the job the best that they can do, they're not only holding the mayor accountable and the bureaucracy and scrutinizing things, and it is correct, you can't call department heads directly. You have to go through the uh, mayor's office. But you do have the, uh, the power and the position to help people in your district get things done. So you can work with the district managers. You can work with uh, the local police precincts to make sure that people and businesses in your district that are having trouble getting things done or have problems that need a little more help than they can handle on their own, you should be that resource for them, and that certainly is what I aspire to be. Uh, and and I, like I said, the, the pay is about eighty-five grand, and you get a city car, um, but and you have a staff, so you really there's no reason for a council person not to be able to help people in the district because you have a team, and the reason they're there is to help other people, not to help you get reelected. Um, although you could argue if you help people in your district, that's one reason to vote for you. So, uh, so hopefully uh, people are doing things for the right reason. Sam in Sherwood Forest on the west side wonders, did you see this front page article in Wall Street Journal last week that upwards of 20 to 25% of all single family homes are being bought up by investors over the last 13 months? Anyways, it goes on and on talking about how, you know, what can be done to stop investors from buying properties and just basically sitting on them, uh, hoarding them, maybe uh, speculating. Is there anything you can do as a councilman to promote owner-occupied home ownership and put the screws into carpet-bagging investors and slumlords for a change? This is getting literally zero attention, maybe because the mayor himself isn't actually a Detroit homeowner anymore. Well, he was, but now he lives in the city's mansion, which is fairly typical of mayors. They tend to get rid of their place when they move into the Manoogian. So you'd rather have a home be occupied, but what's wrong with speculators buying houses? Absolutely. So we can't stop people from buying a home for whatever reason they want to buy it. But what, what can be done is to hold them accountable. So if you buy a piece of property in Detroit, just figuring, well, if I'll sit on it until, until it's worth something. If you know anything about property in Detroit, if you just sit on it and don't maintain <laughs> it, it will get destroyed. Yeah. Uh, Sean and I were uh, colleagues with a great reporter, uh, a guy named Bill McGraw, who did a series called Driving Detroit. He drove every single block of Detroit and wrote about it. And one of the things he did was there's an abandoned house that he took a picture of on one of his travels, and he would revisit it periodically. And he put up uh, basically a time-lapse series of photos of this house. It was empty for a little bit. Then it was broken into. Then it was set on fire, wow. and then it started to collapse in on itself. And all of this happened in the span of, I believe, less than a year. So, so we can't allow properties to just sit there. 
And so what you can do as a council person is if there is something in your district that's not being maintained, you can, I'm going to use the technical term here, you can get up their ass. You can send the inspectors over there. Is the place secured? Are the property taxes being paid? Is the grass being cut? And basically what you do is you make sure that the owner of a property lives up to their obligation to take care of that property and to be a good neighbor. And if they're not, I don't want to say you hound them. I want to say you hold them accountable to the city, to the law, and to their neighbors to be a good neighbor. And if they do all of that and the house is empty, there's not much you can do about that. But the idea is... If you own a piece of property in Detroit, you need to be a good neighbor because we don't want it to to rot like that house that Bill McGraw saw. And we don't want other people in the neighborhood to feel like uh, they should move out because there's a house next to them that they just don't want to be next to anymore. Ariana points out, Dear Soul of Detroit crew, Mayor Duggan took a shit ton of flack from local reporters and activists after not wanting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in Detroit. They all coerced him into distributing the J&J vaccine here. Well, breaking news, J&J vaccine is being pulled from distribution. Yeah, but that's not why he said that. He didn't know about blood clot issues, and it's still a relatively small amount of people that have had these issues. Yeah, and I it's think... It's being pulled out of an abundance of caution. It doesn't look good right now, but you know you know what causes blood clots as well? Is COVID at a much higher rate. So I think the the reward outweighs the risk of blood clots, in my opinion. But that's not why Duggan, he, he didn't want it because he viewed it as less than. Right, I, I think, and we talked about that it may have been just the optics where he thought Detroiters who are reluctant to get vaccinated would be even more reluctant if they thought there was an inferior vaccine out there. It, that appears to be true. He appears to be right on that because they're just not getting vaccinated. Yeah, so J&J, we're told, will be back in circulation soon. So, uh, Ariana, uh, interesting point. Thank you for writing in. Sarah says, Dear ML, I have a Geek of the Week nominee. Either the Whitmer administration in general or her six-figure salary taxpayer-funded spokesperson, Bobby Letty. Uh who instead of holding her busted department head, Trisha Foster, accountable, Whitmer's team slandered the outlet and reporter who scooped it. Truly demonic to casually slander a reporter for doing his job and catching hypocrite public officials boasting about their exotic travels. And why is a department head traveling where her son has COVID? Above and beyond the rules for thee, not for me, hypocrisy. Isn't that glossy neglect? Good on left-leaning free... Yeah, she must mean grossly. Sorry, grossly neglect. Good on left-leaning Freep for reporting this. The crazies in all the comment sections are attacking the Freep and ace reporter Paul Egan for daring to report it. Whitmer is acting more and more like Trump in a blue dress and her acolytes are acting more like mega nuts. Love the show and wishing you luck in the primary. I, I kind of agree with her, man. Well, I, I don't think uh, you should ever attack a reporter for telling the truth and Paul Egan she is one of, the, one of the, the truly great reporters in Michigan right now. No, she attacked the Breitbart reporter. Um, who reported that um, uh, Trish Foster was down there in Florida, and she said, oh, this is coming from a right-wing website, blah, blah, blah. But it actually came from Facebook because they posted the pictures on there. It's just a it's a red herring, so she doesn't get attacked. And that's just kind of, it's bullshit, man. Well, I, I think one of the things that we have to be careful of is attacking news sources because of where they sit on the political spectrum, and really it's the facts that we should be evaluating things on. But Trump attacked the media, too, and now she's doing the same thing. Well, and I, and I think that's Sarah's point, is that the governor, whatever you think about her, may be becoming more Trump-like. I think she has a long way to go to be Trump-like, but, uh, but it's, 
it's an interesting point that uh, we're seeing politicians from all points on the spectrum being very defensive and lashing out at people that are reporting things that are factual and you can't challenge the facts. Now, Breitbart, Breitbart is a pile of crap. And so is OAN and all these other bogus news organ Newsmax. They, they, you know, that those are propaganda mills. In fact, OAN is refusing to call President Biden President Biden because they're still suggesting something untoward happened. But, uh, but here's where Sarah and I are on the same page: Do not attack reporters for reporting the truth. Thank them. Herbie Hazards. As far as who is to blame between corporations and the government, Mark is right. The corporations have every right to take advantage of the law, but should they be allowed to fund lobbyists who push for laws that allow them to do what is obviously wrong? Yeah, yeah. well, so, they are allowed to, I, but I wish they weren't. But why would you ever change that law if you're a legislator, legislator? Because guess what happens to a lot of them when they leave? They become lobbyists. And, of course, the lobbyists literally feed them while they're in office. So Herbie's referring to our Geek of the Week from a couple weeks ago. Check out that episode or all of our back episodes at mlsolvedetroit.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google. You can find all our episodes there. There's 98 to go through. So get cracking. Layla wonders, do Dan Gilbert or any other execs at Quicken Rocket pay Detroit City income tax? If they work downtown, they should or in within the city limits. It's 1.2% for non-residents, and 2020 was the biggest year ever for Quicken Rocket, plus the Rocket public offering and a $45 billion market cap. Seems like a story one of the papers would pursue, but I don't know if city income tax payments is a foiable thing. Great question. So, you know, the the market cap and and the the offer, that's separate. That's investment. That's not necessarily um, earnings. But, uh, but yeah, if you work in the city of Detroit, you pay about 1.5% Income tax, if you live in the city of Detroit and work in the city of Detroit, you pay about 3%. It's more like 2.7 something. And if you live in the city but work in the suburbs, you'd think it would be half of that? No, you pay the, the full boat. So uh, so I'm sure they paid that tax. Uh, and I will say city income taxes are not uh, uh, foyable, which means you can't find out about them from the Freedom of Information Act. The one time you can find out whether somebody isn't paying their income taxes is if they're sued by the city. And I once found out that Emmanuel Stewart, the great boxing oh, yeah. uh, coach, was being sued by the city of Detroit for not paying his income tax. I also found out that one of Kwame Kilpatrick's best buddies, who was on the city payroll, wasn't paying his income tax. But until there's a lawsuit or until the feds put a lien on your property, and of course I've reported on a city council member who is not paying his federal, state, or local income taxes, until there's some sort of action like that to try and recoup that money you cannot find that through the freedom of information act but uh layla uh, great great topics gabby gushes love the soul of detroit show if you get a chance please consider the following so we can understand the detroit political landscape what's a typical winning city council campaign need to raise and spend on the primary in general great question uh based on what happened in district four over the last two election cycles that would be 2013 and 2017 uh, the winning candidate raised and spent about $75,000, believe it or not. That is a ton of money, an obscene amount of money, but that seems to be what it takes. Is there an August primary, then the top two in the primary advance in the November general? Yes, there is a nonpartisan primary. The top two vote-getters move on to uh, fight uh, to the general election. Do endorsements tend to swing council elections, e.g. unions, Mayor Duggan, Reverend Anthony, et al.? Uh, endorsements can help. 
unions can help with endorsements, activating their members, uh, making contributions. I'm sure the mayor can move people. And of course, Reverend Anthony is the leader of the Detroit branch NAACP. His endorsement is a prized endorsement. And the NAACP also is associated with the Fannie Lou Hamer Political Action Committee. That is a very influential political action committee. But the best way to win elections is what we're doing right now, which is meeting as many people as possible, knocking on doors. And if you want to see what that looks like, go to ml4detroit.com. That's my website. Or follow me on social media on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. The handle is ml4detroit.com. I'm posting regular videos from my Tales from the Trail. In fact, this weekend... I posted a video from the intersection at Somerset and Brunswick where I used to pay street, play street hockey when I was in middle school. And, uh, and believe it or not, there's still a garage door that was there back when we were shooting tennis <laughs> balls against it. Uh, hopefully they did not recognize me now that I'm much taller because uh, we might have owed them for a little bit of uh, garage door work. Uh, have any national news outlets reached out to profile you? I think it's fascinating story for lifelong reporter to run. Yeah, Godspeed. Yeah. Uh, I'm here if they want to call. I'd love, I'd love to get the, uh, the attention. Emma invades. Dear really? ML, yeah. inspiring like to read you're running for office. Any constituent needs or issues frequently coming up on the campaign trail that have surprised you or might surprise listeners? I wonder if residents complain about litter and trash at all. That is my top complaint about the city. Best of luck. Um, so, Emma, as I'm sure you've seen on our website, uh, we're talking about opportunity, safety, and accountability. For most of the people I'm talking to, safety isn't necessarily about more police, although most Detroiters do want more police. It's about stopping speeding in the neighborhoods. There are so many people who speed on our interior streets that folks are worried about kids getting run over. Yeah. They're worried about getting greased when they go out to pull their garbage can in. And so if you talk to most Detroiters about safety, it comes down to two words, speed humps, yeah. which is, uh, is, is pretty, uh, pretty simple, interesting. Simple solution. Yeah, and not a, not a cheap one, but, um, but it's one of the things that, uh, that we're talking about, and we're trying to get as many of those speed humps in the neighborhoods that want them as possible. I should say the city is doing that, and if elected, I will join that crusade. <laughs> so, uh, so thanks, Emma. And, uh, you know, you can, you can not just write to us, you can give us a call at 313-288-9070. That's Butterfield 89070. And believe it or not, someone did just that. ML, only you could bring up Yaz, Yazu, and not mention only you. I guess it's just because you're so deep when it comes to uh, New Wave that uh, something that commercially successful used in uh, movies and whatnot, uh, would, uh, you figure, hey, everybody already knows about that. And uh, Mr. Windsor, uh, I love you, buddy. I uh, never miss your article because um, I never read it. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Uh, yours is one, You and uh, Helen, uh, are, uh, Helen St. James, James uh, I believe, are uh, the, uh, I, I never miss you guys when I see you in the free press. Uh, all right, uh, take care, everybody. Uh, up the irons. There you go. See? So uh, I'm fascinated by you. That's right. Not really. <laughs> ah, the ever doing way Sean more comfortable Windsor. in that chair now. Yeah, I just fuck it. I'm just I think you swing figured, around. I think you and, figured it out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, finally. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I cracked hours my uh, tailbone a couple of years ago and it's just never quite healed. It was oh, just right. some idiocy on my part trying to you know, re rekindle my athletic prime. I wanna find out backwards. I wanna find out about that and about chocolate chip next week. <laughs> 
Yeah, I told you, do not hang glide in the Everglades. That's not going to work out for you. <laughs> or b- walk backwards on a downslope of a driveway. You know, my my story's better. Just go with that one. Yeah. No, I'm just uh, owning up my own uh, patheticness. Well, well, my notes now say uh, campaign update and shameless appeal for donations. What yeah, is you're Sean running for city to? council. That's right, awesome. Right, I think, <laughs> when did that happen? I think we probably covered all that. So this may be a good time. Oh, by the way, uh, donations of the campaign, you can make them at ML number four Detroit. Some guy, you want him to step down, you want his place, or you want somebody else's place, or I don't know, Gabe Gapler or something. I just want what's best for the people. The baseball player or the, or the, or the, or the John Travolta sitcom from Kaplan. the 70s? Did okay. Gabe Kaplan? You asked for this, but did you know Gabe, Cap, Gabe, oh, no. Gabe Kaplan wrote a book about letters he wrote to yeah, little towns? It's, it's a great book. I, really I heard funny. about that in the Drew and Mike show, bought the book for my brother, and of course my brother said, nothing, not even thanks. But it is hilarious. The whole idea really is hilarious. Funny. And he... For a, for a guy who was really funny and became a poker player, he's still really funny. Yeah, really. I'd love yeah. when, my, my favorite thing when I was when I was a kid was the fish that saved Pittsburgh. He was in that movie. Yeah, with Doctor J. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So okay, when, that's, sure what Sean, that's what Sean's well. up to. Whenever there's a reference yeah. to the fish that saved <laughs> yeah, Pittsburgh, yeah, that's enough for me. That means it's time <laughs> to go. Cyrus. So uh, so check out our other Red Shovel Network shows: Charlie LaDuff's No BS News Hour, and of course the Drew and Mike podcast. And Cyrus, while people wish they'd heard this much earlier, I think I'll just satisfy them now by saying, "Would you please take us out?" Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> that I'm surrounded by people who feel that they could do the job better. Strong people with... M.L. Elring. But for better or worse, the... Soul of Detroit. ...has landed on my head. I have seen three great monarchies brought down through their failure to separate personal indulgences from duty. You must not allow yourself to make similar mistakes. The Soul of Detroit must win, must always win.